the blast from our past network. You're looking well, Jean-Luc. Rested. I won't let you move them, Admiral. I will take this to the Federation Council. I'm acting on orders from the Federation Council. How can there be an order to abandon the Prime Directive? Prime Directive doesn't apply. These people are not indigenous to this planet. They were never meant to be immortal. We'll simply be restoring them to their natural evolution. Who the hell are we to determine the next course of evolution for this people? Jean-Luc, there are 600 people down there. We'll be able to use the regenerative properties of this radiation to help billions. Talking Back. Hey, everybody, welcome to Talking Back. Tim and Dean here for another installment in our walkthrough of the Star Trek franchise. Franchise, franchise. Nice. Hey, what's up, man? What's going on? Hey, there's an echo in here. That was cool. What's going Um, on? Yeah, I'm super pumped for some Star Trek. Always love these guys. Mm -hmm. Yep, I'm always loving the Star Trek. There's something about all these movies so far. I mean, we haven't covered this one yet. We'll see. Something about them that's just so, like, comfortable and cozy. It's like there's always like the Star Trek versus Star Wars movies type thing. Very different movies. Both of them very great. But there's something about this like Star Trek that just feels cozy. I always have like a good time watching these movies. Yeah, I've never understood the Star Trek versus Star Wars thing because they're two completely different things. You can love them both. You must love them. Yeah, you must. Yeah. They are not comparable things because they are different things. I mean, they are in space, but they're different things. They're way different. Yeah. Yeah. They're both good. So being someone who never knew anything about Star Trek, when I was younger, I was always like, oh, Star Wars is better because I didn't know anything about Star Trek. Now that I know, I know you can love them both because they're very different. Yep. Definitely. Well put, Dean. Which <laughs> Wait, one? I'm out of here. Na- See you later. And now which one? Tell us all which one you like better. Let's really ruffle uh, some feathers here. I'm just kidding. Uh, which one you don't do have I like to, I'm better? Just you don't have to answer that. That's a loaded don't question. Make me do, I mean, Star Wars, but don't make me do that. All right. Then I like Star Trek better, Dean. Good. Okay. I'm glad. All right. Split it. We'll split the difference, whatever okay. that means. Okay. Uh, just check in with Brian. He can break the tie. Yeah, right. Okay. What uh, would he like? Uh, he'd like Star Trek. He'd be a yeah, data fan for he'd sure. Be, he'd be a Star Trek guy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's only one more after this, Dean. Yeah, that's kind of wild. Well, at least in that like OG sort of franchise. But we've already covered the 2009 reboot. That's the thing. After the next one, we're in a tricky situation. Yeah, exactly. What do we do? Do we do O9 again? <laughs> do we jump into into darkness? What do we do? Only time will tell. But that's we've we've got yeah. we've gotten ourselves in a sticky situation here that we yeah. didn't uh, consider back when we did 2009. No. Maybe. Here, I don't think I don't think we redo 2009. I think that was a pretty solid episode. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. This isn't this isn't this isn't the format. This, this isn't, isn't a meeting. This isn't the time to be doing this. Okay. 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 We we should uh, we should we'll talk about this in the next tone meeting that we have. Okay. <laughs> yes. Sounds good. <laughs> or sounds the, good. the first tone meeting that we have. <laughs> yeah. First and next. The first and only. Uh. Yes, well, this is uh, movie number nine. Wow. Insurrection. Now, I was pretty sure that I hadn't seen this one, and that was confirmed on this viewing. Oh, so cool. Okay. Th- this was the one Star Trek film that eluded me. I had never okay. got to it, wasn't really into Star Trek at the time, and heard things about this movie that would make you yeah. not want to see it. So I was like, yeah. I, don't need to, I don't need to watch this pile of junk i'm too cool for this movie of course as always that's definitely sounds like you as a kid yeah so um turns out i quite enjoyed myself 
It's great. It. I enjoy it so much, Tim. I also heard this. I also heard, oh, uh, insurrection. That's the worst one for sure. You're in for a real pile of doo-doo. I had such a good time. I, I just love it. I, I love this movie. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of worst ones, I got in a lot of trouble the other night with my friends because uh, they were talking about the Star Star Trek movies and... I wanted to chime in because I'm going through them on the podcast and I know, you know a about thing it? or two about Star Trek. And I'm like, you know what the worst one is? The Undiscovered Country. Oh, you can't say that to people. Tim, you Whoa, can't say that to human beings. That was the wrong thing to say. Did I? Ever... <laughs> you can't say that. I took some heat for that one. And I don't understand yeah. it because I don't yeah. know. In my opinion, it is the worst one. And I guess that's not the consensus out in the world. Yeah. You know so. what? Also, Tim, I take a lot of heat for, which uh, you would be the same as me, is having the motion picture as number one. Really? I've never gotten heat for that. Oh, oh, okay. Well, with the uh, with the trivia people that I talk to, who are I will say much younger than me. Yeah. Um, and they're they're cinephiles, right? They just love movies. They think. The motion picture is boring and one of the worst films. One of the obvious worst Star Trek films. Well, I mean, that, number one, baby. that is an incorrect take. I, I, I agree. I agree. 100%. 100%. I think most people would agree with that. That's yeah, a fantastic it's, it's, movie. It's at the top. It's so it, good. It's really great. Okay, well, um, yeah, this was your first time viewing, I'm assuming? Yes, all of these have been my first time yeah. viewing. This is my first time viewing as well. Okay, then. So after the last movie, First Contact, Paramount Pictures wanted a lighter tone in their next movie. Uh, First Contact, pretty dark, pretty heavy. We very much enjoyed it for that. So they were like, hey, you know what movie did really well? Star Trek for the Voyage Home. That's been our most successful one yet. Let's do something fun again. So they came up with this. Now, our synopsis is when the crew of the Enterprise learn of a Federation conspiracy against the inhabitants of a unique planet, Captain Picard begins an open rebellion. Now released in 1998 with a budget of $70 million, this film grosses $118 million, which is not all that great. The previous Whoa. movie netted $100 million, and this one doesn't even net $50 million. Oh, shoot. That's too bad. Now it's directed by Jonathan Frakes. He's back after directing First Contact, and he apparently came back so he could get in the bathtub with Deanna Troy. I was going to say the same thing, Tim. (laughs) This movie is so obviously directed by him. Yeah, (laughs) no doubt. Okay, he's like, okay, okay, I read the script. I have two notes. Uh, One, the first half of the movie (laughs) is about me getting into the bathtub with Troy. Um, my second note is the second half of the movie is about me being a total badass. Yeah. What do you think about that, everyone? Right. I like your script, but yeah. what if I was super horny? Yeah. What if? Let's what just if we add added a that? Note. Yeah. Like uh, Riker's really horny, and that just like that happens to be my character. But like, what if that yeah. was a note? He's on some space Viagra. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was uh, it was good. I liked it. He took the whole bottle. He did. You only need one <laughs> pill. Down the bottle. <laughs> Fun stuff. Now, written by Rick Berman and Michael Piller. Now, Berman was mostly a producer. He produced Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. Piller was also known for being a producer, uh, but he has written a couple episodes. But I read that these two guys were the writers of this movie before I watched it, and I became worried. Okay. I started to perspire yeah. because I'm thinking right. oh, no. the producer's place is not in the writing chair. That's not where you belong. Um, yeah, that is. But I actually. A, uh, agreement. I didn't mind the script at all. I thought they did a fantastic job. I thought there was a lot of things uh, that I assume were part of the script that were really fun. Yep. Jerry Goldsmith back doing the music. Great. Cast. Same old bunch of fuckers. We've seen for the last few movies. They're all back. Same old bunch of fuckers. Bunch of, I love them. A bunch em. of bastards are all back for this one again. Now, yeah. out of the gate, I thought this movie started a bit slow. Okay, we're in an old-timey village. We've got the slow, like, old-timey music playing. We're watching old-timey people doing old-timey things. Um, they're a species uh, called the Baku. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe we could have opened with a dogfight in space. You know, something a bit more fun. 
But I quickly realized what they were doing here. You know, they want to build up this species who will be featured for the rest of the movie as this peaceful and gentle group. Um, so I was fine with that. And then uh, things actually do pick up rather quickly as it looks like Data is out of control. It looks like he's kind yeah. of running around going rogue in this village, but he's completely cloaked. Um, I immediately liked that they're continuing to focus on Data in these movies because he's such a unique character. There's just lots of cool stuff you can do with them. It's almost endless what you can do with his character. So I'm glad that they're not like deciding to focus on other characters. Like so far we kind of focus um, in these next gen movies, we kind of focus on Picard and we kind of focus on data and the other characters are sort of in the background. Right. If you're looking at the next generation episodes and it's like this for most of the Star Trek series is you'll usually focus on, you know, maybe one or two um, cast members, uh, but that will rotate through the various episodes. Like right. everybody gets their yeah. time to shine. Sometimes it's the whole group is shining. Sometimes it's just Picard, you know, um, lots of times the, a the actors will just uh, like get the week off. Like they'll show up for maybe right. one hour to record like one sentence, but then they get the week off yeah. and it focuses on other yeah. people. So I like the, you know, the, the sticking with the data. I totally agree. Um, like it's really working for me. Someone who hasn't really seen the series at all. Uh, it having it focus on data. As soon as we started watching these movies, as soon as we watched Generations, I loved data right from that, you know, very first scene. So I, I've been I've been wanting more data every time these movies, you know, every time I'm watching another one, I just want data to lead it. So I'm super excited about that. Also, you said Picard. I think I was a little down on Picard for the first couple movies. Uh, I get it now. I get him now. This movie for me kind of solidified what I like about him. And that is just like he's he's calm. You know, he keeps a level head and makes like such solid decisions. And at least that's what he does in this movie. And he's like got that moral compass that just like points always north. And so I really got him in this movie. So whether or not he's like actually supposed to be better in the other ones, this one I finally kind of got him. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Now Data is running through this village. He's cloaked so no one can see him. But then we see people from Starfleet are sort of following his progress on screen and trying to talk him down. Data won't listen, though, and he pulls off the cloaked hood. So now everybody in this old timey village just sees a floating head, which I thought was really right, fun yeah. and yeah. visually looked really great. Oh, yeah, for sure. Then Data disrupts a cloak that was covering a building that was cloaked to look like a mountain. And we see uh, a group of people in that building. And it's like a mix of Starfleet and this species called the Sona. And they're spying on the Baku, which seems kind of boring. I don't know. It seems like uh, right. seems like yeah. watching like public access when you have HBO. Yeah, but. definitely. <laughs> and you're wondering, like, so you're seeing this. You're like, okay, why are they just watching them and using, like, why are they there? Why do they use this technology? Why are they watching them? Also, what's up with data? Yeah. What's going on here? Why is he just going? There's a lot of mystery at the at the front of this movie. Yeah, he has a massive laceration on his neck. So yeah. uh, I started to think maybe he's been damaged. He was de definitely behaving yeah. like he was damaged. So yeah. Um, so a bit of a slow start, but I actually really did end up liking the intro to the movie. Yeah, same. I, I would say that. So I watched this one twice and I would say on the first watch, half of this movie is a lot of confusion and just trying to understand what's going on. The second watch, so much better when you know what's going on. Like I, I really, really enjoyed it the second time. Like there's a lot of things that they drop in there that you just don't know about the first time. Uh, but the second time when you know the story and you know what's coming, uh, you notice a lot more things. So it was very enjoyable for me on the second time. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, a little bit busy. I only got to watch this one the one the one time. Yeah. Now we get some shots of outer space and spaceships, and damn, did they ever look good in this movie? The Sona ship design is unbelievable. Yeah. Probably yeah. my favorite spaceship design, definitely that we've seen in the franchise, possibly even that I've ever seen in Star Trek. 
they were amazing incredible awesome yeah i love them too uh this was the first star trek movie to use only cg for the space shots uh and i think it really paid off i was very very impressed with the visuals yeah same the uh costumes and makeup as well man very exceptional i like these movies often if they get an academy nod it's for like special effects or costumes or something like that or right. makeup and I was actually surprised that this movie didn't get a nod for um, costumes, makeup this year, because this was some really, really good looking stuff. Oh, for sure. Especially like the Sona. Like that. What is even going on on their face? It's so disgusting I love it. and gross. They're getting their, <laughs> it's, yeah. their skin stretched. I know. it. How, oh, it's just like my brain doesn't understand. The first time you see like someone get their, their skin stretched over their head. It's, it's so disgusting. Yeah, for anybody who's trying to picture it, um, pretend like you grabbed your cheeks and started to stretch them outward. Yeah. But then didn't, didn't stop until they wrapped around like half of your head. Right. Yeah, and, exactly. And that's what these characters look like. And then when that skin starts to loosen, they just get it retightened. Just do it again. It looks painful. Some tight skin. They look awesome. They look awesome, like not in a uh, in not in a really good way, in a gross way. Oh, they look like straight out of like a, a horror movie. I, For sure. I feel yeah. like a Hellraiser came to mind. Like that uh, right. definitely could have been what one of the Cenobites would look like. Like that would be their yeah. their tortures, just have their skin like peeled back like that. But uh, yeah, I love the leader of this group. He's got like a, also has a, like a gaping wound in his head. Yeah, and at one point he yeah. gets very upset and he's yelling, and then blood starts squirting out of it. It's it great, very, yeah, very gross. But <laughs> yeah, I loved it, man. Like Picard, <laughs> Picard and the Admiral are just looking at this guy, like, "Oh, dude, like you're dripping, man. Like, come on." They were so, so disgusted good. with him. It was great, a great moment. Yeah, they they reminded me of a. There's a Batman run where Joker is supposed to be so like menacing and so crazy. The whole idea is how crazy he is that his face he cut it off and then he stretched it over his own head like a mask. Lovely and like stapled it back. It was exactly like this, and that's that was to show like how menacing he could be and how like evil he could be. So yeah, that's what it reminded me of. So right away I'm like, I don't know about these guys. What run was that for anybody who wants to check out? Uh joker with his face peeled back so it's uh scott snyder's run so it's uh more recent the late uh the late 20 teens okay. and uh i believe it is uh i believe it's called death of the family mm. um and that's when joker he has been gone for a while and he comes back with a uh the stretched he like steals the, his face who someone else had <laughs> They had cut off his face, and he steals it back and then just stretches it over his head, and he looks disgusting. Nice. Now, uh, the crew of the Enterprise are called to come and deal with Data because he's out of control, and that's how our friends come to be involved in this scenario. So as Picard and Worf are heading to this planet with the Baku, Data attacks them in a shuttle, and he won't listen to Picard until Picard starts singing a song. And that seems to snap Data out of what he's in, and they're able to subdue him. Um, Here's some fun. Fun shuttle battle. Yeah. These are always fun when you have, like, someone that you can't do damage to in one of the shuttles, yeah. and you have to kind of bring him down. You got to talk him down gently, you know? Meanwhile, yeah. Data's just, like, trying to destroy them, and they're just like, well, what do we do? Oh, let's play some and they... music. Yeah. That'll, that'll <laughs> stop him. They don't even play him music. They sing him music. Like, they're like, let's... So it's that talk him down. Okay, let's talk him down. But it's let's sing him down. It's like, what was the last thing he was doing before he left? Oh, yeah, he was practicing this song. Let's remind him of that song. And it's so great that they just burst into singing. I loved it so much. This is such a fun, yeah, fun little battle. Because also, you're trying to figure out what's going on with Data at this point. So you're like, wait, does he just want to get them to the planet to show them something? Or is he actually, like, want to shoot them down? Oh, I mean, at this point, I realized, yeah, he wants to shoot them down because he's trying to actually shoot them down. Well, I know I know that, but he wasn't like fatally hitting them. Right. So I was like, oh, maybe he's just like really trying to get them to come to this planet because he wants to tell them something. I don't know. He had that, I just wasn't sure what was going on. He had that wild look in his eye, dude. 
He was like, he's got that funny look in his eye. He was excited to shoot them down. Yeah. Yeah. But then he was also excited about the music. He was excited about the song. Turns out he's more excited about the music. Yeah. Now there's a few interesting twists in this movie. One of them here is that the Baku, these simpletons, are actually quite technologically advanced, but have chosen not to use technology anymore. They prefer like the simpler life and they, they don't want the technology. So they actually played around with that a little bit in some really funny ways. Uh, that made me laugh. Just they, they're yeah. probably more technologically advanced than Picard and the crew. So Picard would like say something and then try to explain it to them. And they're like, yeah, we know what that is. Like, like, yeah, warp drive. Yeah. yeah. Heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We had that a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. What I really liked, though, is that they landed on that planet. They talked to them. Picard found out that they knew about warp drive. So then when he goes like back to his ship, he's like, OK, we're all good here. It's no problem because they already know about warp drive. So we didn't mess up their civilization here by like introducing them. We didn't interfere. We didn't mess up like history by introducing them to the warp drive. They already knew about it. So it's all good. Right. That's the whole prime directive, uh, which yeah. they base this movie around. The Prime Directive uh, prohibits them from interfering with the natural development of an alien civilization. And yeah. basically, if they find a civilization that doesn't have warp technology, they won't go down and visit. And we got a taste of that in the last movie with First Contact, right? That's where as soon yep. as Earth took their first warp flight, the Vulcans immediately made themselves known. Um, but that's like Starfleet's number one rule is, is their prime directive. That's what everybody is driven by. It's do not interfere with yeah. other people. Like don't get in the way. Don't show them new technology. Um, yeah. They never share technology really all that often. And they definitely don't go to places that uh, are way less advanced. So, yeah. Now we meet an Admiral Doherty of the Federation who seems to be working with the Sona and, uh, their, their main guy, the guy with the, uh, bump on his head, Ruafo, he is the commander of the Sona. Admiral Dougherty. It's a, t a tough name to say. Like I'm going to be That's tough, man. Dougherty. Cause it looks like it should be Doherty. And if I could okay. say Doherty, it would be a lot easier because of Shannon Doherty okay. and Beverly Hills, 90210. Okay, yeah. I have a lot of practice saying her name, but Dougherty, a bit tougher. Um, well, he, anyways, he's getting very anxious for Picard to leave the planet. Yeah, doesn't want Picard around any longer. Picard's a troublemaker in his eyes. Right. Well, what I'm thinking when I'm watching this is, uh, what's this guy up to? Because I already don't like, I don't already don't like stretchy face, uh, race here. I don't like, um, that the, that the Federation is talking to the, like, why are we, why are the good guys talking to them? And then uh, this Admiral, he really wants Picard out of here. So yeah, what's, what's going on here? So before Picard agrees to leave, they actually go out and they find a cloaked ship in the lake. Uh, on the planet and they go inside this sh this ship and it's a hologram of the Baku village. Now, I thought this was very, very cool. Yes. Um, Picard quickly comes to realize that he thinks somebody was going to use this ship to transport the Baku off the planet without them knowing. So they were going to like knock them out or something, have them wake up on the ship but it looks exactly like their village. So they would have no idea that they're traveling through space going somewhere else. Yeah. And I think they just put it down on another planet and they would just live in that spaceship thinking it was their little village for like the rest of their life. I don't know if it was that because I, I, I kind okay. of thought about that and that wouldn't work. Like there's there's right, no way like they wouldn't be able to actually do the farming and everything. Right. right? Exactly. Like, yeah. So but I think it was just going to be like um a non-violent way a non-confrontational right. non way to get them to another planet. Then they'd open the doors yeah. and they'd be like, ha 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 suckers. But gotcha. This is a really cool idea that I haven't seen in the Star Trek series. Like oftentimes these movies have other things, you know, 
the storylines that have kind of been retold in other episodes. This one was brand new, and I this would have been a really cool just one-off storyline for one of the series to do, just something like this. Like a group traveling who don't even realize they're in a spaceship or something like that yeah. would have been fucking cool. awesome. Yeah. And if there is an episode like that, somebody please let me know. Reach out to us and let me know because I must see it. Now, another very cool idea and twist here is that the Baku, while they look like they're, oh, 30, 35 years old, the grownups, they're all over 300 years old because apparently the rings of the planet they live on have regenerative properties. What did you think of this? Oh, I love this. I love this so much. And so the rings of the planet have this property that, yeah, regenerative property. But even just being close to the planet, and this I didn't really get my first time watching, but my second time watching, I caught all the things that even when the Enterprise gets close to the planet, the people on the ship are starting to feel younger and act younger. So like one of the first things that happens that you have no idea that this would be connected is that Worf sleeps in and he's late for like the first time he's supposed to be on the bridge. They like just got him back from something. And the first day he like sleeps in and you're like, why would he do this? What is this? But then later on he gets like a pimple and it's because he's, yeah, it's this, it's this making you feel young. It's just like fountain of youth type idea, but it's their entire planet. And so all these things of like getting closer to the planet uh, it was really cool seeing what they had lined up there second time around. Like even the Riker and Troy storyline is because like, I didn't really know, but I, I think I picked up from the movie, like they used to date, but they don't anymore. And then in this movie, they start like dating. They're getting in the bathtub together. They're start that they're, they're reigniting the flame. And that's because they're feeling younger. They're feeling like they're younger selves who used to date. Um, it, it was just great. Yeah. I love seeing all these like little things that they were leaving along the way. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're not dating or they just haven't been affectionate with each other for a while. Right, right. They haven't gotten to the tub in they a while. They haven't gotten into the tub for, for a while. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was really fun watching everybody kind of realize that this was going on. Like Picard, yeah. Picard like comes into his quarters and he wants some music and ends up putting on some music that he wouldn't normally put on because he feels like yes. dancing and he's like yes. dancing a bit. And then he goes to the mirror and realizes he's like looking younger and then, yeah, Worf is, like, going through puberty again or something. Uh, yeah, Deanna and uh, Riker are horny teenagers. Jordy's eyes heal themselves, and he doesn't need yeah. his visor anymore. And they had a really sweet moment where he's just, like, out of the ship watching the sunrise for the first time because he's never experienced yeah. that before. I thought that was a great moment in the movie. Yeah, I was watching it with uh, with my wife, and she hadn't seen it before either. And there was a moment, like, after... Picard went down to the planet and then when he came back up onto the ship my wife was like whoa he's like kind of hot and she didn't know like he's supposed to be looking younger she didn't know the plot of the movie like I did we didn't really know at that point what was going on so it was cool they actually made him look like a little bit younger and a little bit like he looked good um so yeah when we found it when we found out that that's what was going on she's like oh that's why he looks so hot they did a good job like you're saying the makeup and everything like they did a good job of making him look good yeah they sure did Now, Picard is falling for one of the 300-year-old women down on the planet, and you can't blame him because she's being so charming. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. For sure. Now, here's basically what's going on with the movie, is that Ruafo of the Sona, um, him and his crew, they all used to be Baku. And the story was a century ago, a group of the children tried to take over, uh, but they were defeated and exiled. They sort of embraced technology. They went out and embraced technology and then came back and tried to take over, uh, but that got shut down. Now they can't come back ever again, but they are back, back for revenge, Dean. Yeah. Um, This was just something in the movie that didn't make sense to me, though, is how did these kids also survive for 300 years without the regenerative properties of the rings. Like I understand that they're getting their faces stretched and all, but what about their organs and and all that type of stuff? They're not 300 years old like the rest. It's just that, um, so they, they mentioned that the kids 
don't start their um, process of like de-aging until they're older. Uh, so I think like these were actually kids just like maybe 50 years ago or 60 years ago. They were kids in the village. They said a century, they they said a century ago, ago. So they're at least 100. Okay, so they're at least 100. Okay, so somehow, yeah, I don't know. Somehow they are reaping some sort of benefit if they're 100 years old but they're not 300 years old but yeah i guess they are 100 i needed something there i think what they're wanting us to think is that since these kids embrace technology they're using some sort of technology to keep themselves living longer but right i needed a little bit more of that like yeah they show us like a dude getting his face stretched which was awesome and all but maybe at the same time just like put a needle into his arm and show us like something else is going on to keep his body alive that was just something, yeah. and I don't know. Maybe maybe the movie does explain that, but I didn't. I didn't pick up on it. You're right, though. It doesn't, and and you're right. They are the only um, species that has the technology to be able to take out the like youthful energy or whatever out of the rings. That's why the Federation has like teamed up with them right. because they're the only species that has that technology. So yeah, just like something about how maybe they stole some of it before they left or something like that they were able to take some of it to be yeah get those injections or whatever it is because uh yeah they they need to be uh, i'm with you they need to be a little more specific about that part of it yeah so the sona they want to harvest the planet's rings they want to steal those regenerative materials and admiral doherty Dougherty, Dougherty, <laughs> Admiral Dougherty is. Why don't you just go with Admiral? <laughs> the Admiral, the Admiral. Yeah, that's a great idea. The Admiral, the Admiral is helping them because he thinks it's best for the future of the Federation. Right. He's going to break the Prime Directive for this new regenerative, regenerative uh, uh, magic stardust that's in the rings. You could save billions of lives, Tim. That's right. Billions. Now, Picard sees this as a betrayal of the Prime Directive. Yes. And I don't know. This is kind of like a gray area, though, right? No. Well, it's a, it's a gray area because if the Baku really were these simpletons, then you wouldn't want to make first contact. But... um. They already have warp technology, so I don't think this is any longer about the Prime Directive. That's true. I get, yeah. I get that it's not right to displace these people from their planet, but I don't think that has anything to do with the Prime Directive anymore. You're right. It doesn't have, like, I don't know a lot about the Prime Directive, but it doesn't have to do with that, with, like, what they had explained the Prime Directive was. Uh, It just has to do, yeah, morally with, like, forcing this group out of their home. I think, so him, like, Picard saying that it's about the Prime Directive and you're you know, you're going against against the Prime Directive of exactly what we're, we're all about, what the Federation's all about. That's not exactly correct. Right. And that's kind of what, yeah. when I was reading up on the movie, that's kind of what they made it sound like. Was it this, it was this big, like, prime directive issue. And right. it just turned out that that actually wasn't a very big deal in the movie. No, that's, that is not really, yeah, they do say that in this scene, though. So, but you're, so you're right. Like, that's not exactly correct. That's not exactly what it's about. No. Now, Picard learns that the Admiral has teamed up with the Sona and that this is their plan. And he confronts the Admiral uh, about that cloaked ship they found. Yeah. He, he knows what's going on, but he's kind of like, Hey, what do you think about this? What's that about? He's trying to like, he's trying to be clever about it and get the Admiral to give something up, slip, slip up and give up some information. Yeah. So the Admiral wants Picard to let them do what they're doing, but Picard sees this as a betrayal of the Prime Directive, even though it's not. Um, And Picard and the crew go against the Admiral's orders to leave and instead head down to the planet to help. Uh, Picard's also got that I'm in love and I'm going to fight for it energy here, too. Hell yeah. He's feeling so young and and virile. It's it's so... This part's so great, though, because he, like, takes off his uniform. He's like, well, no. Done with... Like, because he's like, I'm going to tell... The Federation and the Admiral's like, yeah, they're on our side. Go ahead. 
go ahead, tell them about it. Yeah. They already gave me approval. So, you know, Picard's like, all right, no more uniform. I take it off. I really like this. You know, he's in the weirdest looking shirt I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> totally. And then all the <laughs> then all the crew's there and they're like, hey, I know you're going down to the planet. It smells like you're in love and yeah. you're going down to the planet. And then like they all acknowledge that they're feeling younger. So maybe it's the spunk in them that just wants to rebel yeah. and wants to fight. And then Data steps up and is like, no, none of this stuff would ever affect me. And I think we should also go down there and fight. He's like, lock and load. Right. I love that part. I thought it was so that was great. A good. Another moment. just like great Data moment. Yeah, for sure. It was a, it was a great cast moment altogether because they're all there. Exactly. Yeah. Oftentimes yeah. you'd think they'd say like, we can't let you go. You can't do this. You know, why is your uniform yeah. off? It looks like you're doing something wrong. And they were just like, we're with you, man. Like, we got to help this situation out. So it, it was a good scene. And it also, it yeah. wasn't too long. Like, they didn't draw it out. That could have exactly. been, been a painful scene to watch, and it wasn't. It was like a minute. Like, yeah. they got to it right away. Yeah, it was, it was very good. So Riker and Jordy, they take the Enterprise, and they're going to run back and tattletale on the Admiral while um, Picard and his lady friend... Um, are down on the planet, you know, trying to help. Yeah. But I thought this was an interesting dynamic here with the movie is as Picard comes down, um, you know, he brings data and he brings down technology to help them fight. Right. Uh, which is needed, you know, um, but it's against these people's beliefs or their morals or whatever they've decided. So I thought that was interesting kind of watching the, the groups kind of try to work together with, with, varying beliefs on the situation yeah for sure and like you get to see as the whole thing's like unfolding that there's definitely benefits to having some of that technology in this situation yeah and they uh they really involved one of the baku children they kind of like paired yeah. data up with one of the children which yeah. i thought was an interesting thing and i what i kind of got from it was like they were almost influencing the next generation to possibly be more accepting oh, yeah. of technology and possibly yeah. integrate that in the future. Yeah, definitely. So the Sona end up sending a ship after Enterprise and Riker. And we got like a pretty good starship fight. Uh, yeah. Sort of reminded me. I don't know why, but I was getting Wrath of Khan vibes out of it. Yes, 100%, Tim. Same with me. Uh, I don't know why I've been trying to it figure being, it out, but because so it was being in like the clouded yeah, area. Yeah, it was more um, than that. So though. right, it was more than that. But like the the Wrath of Khan is a lot about like trusting your gut, not being able to like see what like on your instruments what's going on. And I think there was a lot of that. There was a lot like of Riker just like going for things and like coming up with stuff on the spot, right? Being inventive, but also being like clouded, not really being able to see your enemy. Yeah, yeah, definitely had to do with that. Um, the Sona have a weapon that opens a Terran subspace. Yeah, and those geez. weapons have been outlawed uh, yeah. during some accord in the past, they tell us. Uh, and they're going to get in big trouble for using those weapons, Dean, by the way, once they get caught. Good. They should. Now, down on the planet, uh, Picard and the group of Baku... They're all scattering because the Sona have come for them. And I love the technology the Sona have here to capture them. They have yeah. like drones that shoot transporter darts at you. So if you get yep. hit with a dart, you automatically transport back to their ship. Yeah. This was awesome. There's just like groups of people running around and these drones come down and then you just see them shooting and you just see people being transported away and disappearing. It was really, really cool. It's awesome. Yeah. They need everyone off that planet because they need to harvest those rings and they'll like the planet can is uninhabitable if they do that. So they're like getting everyone off here forcefully. Like, okay, we had the first idea to get them on this ship and trick them. Nope, not working. Second idea, the uh, transporter darts. Perfect. Yep. And Picard and his lady friend are captured by those. But in a turn of events here, the Admiral has actually finally seen enough. He kind of realizes yeah. that, wait, wait a second, maybe he's not on the right side here. And he wants to stop Rafo, but um, he Rafo's not interested in stopping. He's like, we will go through with yeah. our plan. 
and he decides to start stretching the skin of the admiral's face. Yeah. Uh, uh, is he dead or not, Dean? They don't show us. 100%. Yeah, he's dead? Yeah, You're, you 100%. can't have your skin stretched back to your head like that? I think you can, but like his eyeballs were stretching too. There was something that wasn't really working right with his face. Okay. I wasn't sure, so, so he's dead then. That's fine. Yeah, but he... So the it's fine because... He actually gave the okay to the Sona to go after Riker in the Enterprise, even though he knew that they were just going after to shoot them down out of the sky. Correct. And he gave the okay there. So after giving that okay, it's like, oh, there's no going back for him. There's no going back for the Admiral. So you kind of know that if he ends up having this turn, he's probably going to die. And he does. I was not really a fan of his character. I don't think you need him in the movie. I see what they were trying to do, like having a member of Starfleet be the one to drive this attack on the prime directive. But then they didn't even really go anywhere with the prime directive. They don't give us anything about this Admiral. Like there's, there really is no reason for an Admiral to be doing this. An Admiral wouldn't do this uh, unless he had some sort of reasoning or purpose, but his only purpose is, Oh, this is just going to be so great for us to possess such a wrong mentality for an Admiral to have. And I don't buy that he would be doing this, you know, the times you can get away with stuff like this is if like one of the, one of the, I don't know, there's a member of the Baku that's like his long lost wife or something. She's been trapped down there and he's using this as like, um, like he'd be using this as like a smoke screen to kind of get himself in and get himself there to like free his wife or something like that. But just like, Oh, we'll just save a bunch of people with this. And, and meanwhile, we'll kill a bunch of others. I didn't buy it. I, you know, in my opinion, take him out of the movie. Yeah, so I would say I think it's in there because they're trying in this movie they're trying to talk about war and gray areas in war and what your side might be fighting for even though they don't have all the information or whatever, you know, they have good in their minds but then it turns out being bad, that type of thing. Uh but then you have like Picard who's like the moral compass. No, I tell you this is bad. You know this is bad. Uh, so I think they're going for that, but I agree it's not as successful as if, you know, there was something else going on with the Admiral or the Admiral's just out of there, you know, and it's just the Sona. Um, but they, they're yeah. definitely going for this wartime gray area thing, trying to like, you know, solve all problems. Yeah. Now we get to see the um, Sona ship that they're going to use to collect the particles from the rings. Oh, my goodness. Did this thing ever look amazing? Hell Yeah. I don't know how they did the special effects on it, but they gave it like a really matte look to it. Uh, it's all black. And just the way that they textured it, it looked like it could almost like disappear in space, almost like it had like a natural cloak to it. But mm. man, did it ever look cool. Um was really impressed seeing that ship. Now, as we're getting near the end here, Ruafo's first in command... Uh, he's not really down with killing the Baku because Rafo, like what he said was they were just going to move them to another planet, but really Rafo was going to kill them. So his first in command sort of turns on him and is willing to help Picard uh, get him. And I really love the trick that they come up with to get Rafo uh, without Rafo and like his uh, bridge crew knowing they get transported to a hollow deck. That looks just like their ship. Yeah, it's great. Th they're using their own plan against them. Hell yeah! To you know, to kind of trap them. That was so neat. I loved it. Yeah, it was great, and I love the setup of Picard getting Rafo's like number one on his side because at one point he's like just feeding them. Picard's just like, nah, you didn't want to do this. You didn't know they're gonna kill them. And then his number one's like, oh, you'll say anything to save yourself. And Picard's like. I'm trying to save you. I'm not trying to save myself. I'm trying to save you. And it's like cheesy, but yeah, it worked on it me. Worked. I was like, oh, I love that. I love, and it worked on him. That's when he turned his gun off. So I thought that that was really great. And then, yeah, they come up with this awesome plan to use like the, the hollow deck to trick, uh, to trick um, Rafo in his own game. Like that's what they were going to do. And they get tricked with it. It's awesome. Yeah. Picard's line works because it is heartfelt. Like he is, yeah. he legitimately wants to help that guy. Like he, oh, for he, sure. he yeah. loves helping people. He wants to save people. And this guy's going to go down unless he yeah. changes sides and Picard, you know, gives him that opportunity to do so. Awesome. So Ruafo 
he has to beam to the collector ship because um, uh, Picard's kind of found a way to like shut it down. It can't collect the particles anymore, but Rafo's going to uh, do it manually. So he, he yeah. heads over there and Picard follows him over there and Picard is able to blow up the collector and he gets transported out just at the last second as like the flames of destruction are kind of like coming towards him. One of these classic like tight exit moments where as soon as he disappears, the flames just go right past where he was. It's tight. It's real tight. Yeah. So they've done it again, Dean. They've saved the day. I, I don't really understand a lot about the Sona still, but uh, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Picard tells his lady he has some shore leave coming up. So watch out because he'll be back. Whatever that means. Hey, right, Dean? What I don't know what I don't know what that means, but yeah, I can't imagine what he's talking about that, that's in that like, moment. I don't, I don't really know, but right? Right? We don't know, right? Yeah. We don't know. Is he going to be his shore leave for like 300 days and he's going to be back? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's going to teach her how to swim. Maybe that's what he's going to do in 300 days. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Nice one. Hey, yeah. yeah. Uh now the Baku accept data as more than just a filthy piece of technology and the end. Yeah, I will just say uh, the the like uh, dogfight ship thing that was going on was all Riker, and uh, he had like hero lines in this movie, like "Let's get those bastards" and "Let's ram it up their ass." And then they even called one of his things he was gonna gather a bunch of gas and like let it out on the Sona's ship, and then they were gonna like explode themselves because of that gas, and they called it like the Riker maneuver. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, this guy is yeah. really high on himself in this movie. No doubt. He gets no all doubt. the hero lines, all the action hero lines. Yeah, for some reason he shaved halfway through the movie. <laughs> yeah, I he's know. had this beard for so long and they shaved it off. Cuz he's feeling younger. Well, I don't know. I thought when you're younger like you want to have the facial hair because right? it makes I you feel know. older. Yeah. That one I didn't yeah. get. I mean, they sh she so Troy shaved it in the tub with him. So like, it was a very very sensual moment to shave someone else. I think. Oh, maybe it was because when she kissed him the first time, yeah, she was like, "Oh, your beard feels funny" or something like that. So he's yeah. like, "Well, she's like, I've never." She fix said, that. "I've never kissed you without the beard." I think she's yeah. She's like, "I've never kissed you without the beard." Yeah. Okay. Maybe that was why. Yeah. So she wanted she wanted the clean face. Anyways, all in all, it was a pretty fun showing. Dean, let's rank these movies. Oh, dang. Okay, you go first, because I don't think I slotted it in yet. Okay, it shouldn't be too difficult. No. Now, as I already mentioned, uh, at the very bottom, I have The Undiscovered Country. I just don't think there's a lot of interesting things going on in that movie for me. didn't really care right. about a lot of it. It did have some really quality moments, but all in all, no thanks. Then uh, I have Search for Spock at number eight. Seven, I have The Final Frontier. Six is where I'm putting this one, Insurrection. I had a fun time. Five, I have Generations. Four, I have First Contact. Three, I have The Voyage Home. Two, I have The Wrath of Khan. And one, I have The Motion Picture. Okay. Uh, it wasn't too hard. I have, starting at the bottom, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Uh, number eight, I have The Final Frontier. Number seven, I have The Undiscovered Country. Uh, number six is where I have this movie, Insurrection, at number six. Number five, Generations. Number four, First Contact. Number three, The Voyage Home. Number two, The Wrath of Khan. Number one, The Motion Picture. So our lists are very similar here. Yeah. Now... Uh we just recently talked about this over on Patreon as we're doing our James Bond franchise walkthrough and we're, you know, 10, 10 movies in there and we're noticing tiers are starting to form. There's like a, a, the yeah, bottom right. tier yeah. where some movies sit. There's a middle tier where a bunch of movies sit and then there's like a, a high tier where the really good ones are. I'm noticing that with uh, this as well. The, low, the bottom tier is kind of like the original movies that weren't yeah. all that great. The middle tier yeah. so far is all the next generation. And the top tier are the original movies that were really great. 
So it's yeah. interesting how this is going, but yeah, definitely. I would say for me, I would just drag. I do like the undiscovered country more than you do. So I feel like I would drag the undiscovered country just into that middle tier with all of the next generation ones, but definitely final frontier and search for Spock are my lower tier undiscovered countries like right there. It's like, I think it's clawing and maybe it has one hand, you know, grabbing onto insurrection. Uh, but then yeah, the next break is the original three or like the original series um, top three we have. Cool. All right. Hey uh, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, before we get into saying how you can help us here at, at talking back, um, we would like to say, please go and check us out on YouTube. We're now on YouTube. We have yeah. a channel over there. It's called demo dash each week. Dean and I will sit down. We will download a new demo from the Nintendo store. We've never played it before. We'll play it and we'll try to beat the demo in 20 minutes uh, hilarity will ensue because we don't know what we're doing. We're trying to learn the controls. We're trying to learn the game. We're trying to beat the demo. Uh, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they suck. So it's a lot of fun. So head on over to YouTube, check out our channel demo dash, please subscribe to be alerted of new videos and to help us out over there. And if you want to help us out here at talking back, you can head on over to uh, your favorite podcast app. You can uh, like, um, the podcast, you can leave a review on an episode. You can go to buymeacoffee.com. You can check us out on Patreon. We've got a lot of episodes over there. As I mentioned, we're doing the James Bond thing. We're doing some let's plays now. We also have some of those over there. Uh, lots of fun stuff going on on Patreon. Uh, you can, uh, sign up for, you know, like five bucks a month. We'll get you all those, um, all those episodes, all those videos, and uh, hey, uh, now that this episode's over, don't worry. All you have to do is head on over to bfopnetwork.com and check out one of the other amazing nostalgia-based podcasts in our network. We promise you'll find something you like over there. So please check it out. And Dean, thank you for joining. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.